Technology and Society with Aki Anastasio. And this uh, feature of uh, Technology and Society today is brought to you by Altron, technology partners in your digital transformation journey. For more information, visit altron.com. Altron, there when it matters. Hello, Aki. Good morning to you, Mr. Eusebius Makaiser. How are you doing? You see, it's Mr. I'm good, Mr. Aki Anastasio. You were like trolling Bafana Bafana on the weekend and you made me laugh I, so much. I was just Facebook. asking questions, man. <laughs> it's yeah. very funny. But it's true. You know, it's amazing. We forgot about the last two weeks, the last two weeks. It was a distant memory, even with the cricketers. It's such a South African thing, isn't it? Yeah. We live in the moment. Yes. And we swing that pendulum from extreme pessimism to extreme optimism. Mm. But what 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 um, struck me over the weekend is uh, in this country is accountability. You know, and you look at accountability around the rest of the world, and you look at the um, the Egyptian coach. He resigned immediately afterwards. I know. The, the head of the football re- resigned, yeah. and yet yeah. we haven't had any answers from the cricket guys. You yeah. know, the you know, the head, the people at uh, the CSA. Um, they, you know, where, where are these guys? What went wrong? It's we funny want you to should know. say that. That was one of my first thoughts when I heard this news item actually in the EW and Sport News Bulletin over the weekend. I thought, wow, this is really really interesting. Instant accountability, and you. You could massage it and say, oh, well, if they had won uh, Egypt, that is, and they'd gone through, then obviously we wouldn't be resigning. Should my entire career as a coach or us as a technical team depend on just one particular game where on the day factors can be so decisive? Sure. But it's about the optics and it's about saying under my watch something happened which reasonably we expected 100%. not to happen. And that is not part of the South African culture, neither in sport nor in politics in or business. In politics, yeah, ex- exactly. As soon as that trust is broken, people take accountability. It never happens here. That well, it's happened a in a point. couple of instances, but you know you can count them maybe a few on your hands. Absolutely, you know? far too few of those. Okay, what have you got for us today, Aki? Well, I've got a couple of things for you. Firstly, um, you know, this is very interesting. Uh, this is uh, some research that's come out of MIT. And, you know, wherever we walk, if you look at most rooms we're in, there's Wi-Fi connectivity, right? What these guys have done is they are using this kind of connectivity, wireless connectivity, to determine uh, what kind of emotional state we might be in. And you ask, how on earth do you do that? Because already, you know, we've got algorithms that can read from our faces. They can tell if we're angry or not. But they're not often, um, you know, 100% accurate because a smile can also conceal frustration. For example, if you've got a poker face, uh, what does that mean? But... What if technology could really tell us if something is wrong with someone and how they're really feeling? So what these guys have done from the MIT Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, they've developed this um, technology called EQ Radio. And what it does is it can detect a person's, a person's emotions using wireless signals. And what it does is it uses, uses um, um, it measures subtle changes in your breathing and your heart rhythms uh, just that your body gives out. So if you're in a room, I can pick up from a distance just by bouncing uh, certain wavelengths uh, towards Eusebius and I can pick up on your breathing, I can pick up on your heart rate and from that I can work out if you're excited, if you're happy, if you're angry or sad. So I'm using this technology right now and I can pick up that you're very excited that I'm in the studio, Eusebius. Oh. <laughs> but I mean... Damn, I thought I was being coy and... That's your poker face. doesn't <laughs> work. We're using your body's, um, um, uh, you know, your breathing to measure these things. Now, They've got this at 87% accuracy rate. So you can imagine uh, the advantages that people can have to measure 
consumer behavior, in the entertainment industry, the healthcare industry. So a lot of these guys are using it even in film studios to test viewers' reactions in real time to things. So if you're walking down an aisle, for example, and you see something that interests you, if they can measure your heart rate, they can see if that campaign that they've got in the supermarket aisle is working. Or if you're watching something on television or in a, or in a movie house, you can pick up uh, people's uh, moods uh, if they're enjoying the movie or not. So there's a lot of different applications that they can be using with this new technology, which is called EQ Radio, uh, developed by um, MIT's um, Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, which is quite fascinating. I think it's, fascinating. it's amazing. It's both interesting and scary at the mm, same mm. time because we're going to keep on shifting the boundaries for what levels of transparency we just have to accept technology and innovation forces us to now live with. Yeah. And the upsides outweigh the downsides. But uh, those of us who were born before this incredible, incredible... Uh, rapidity with which innovation happens, some of us will still be a little bit uncomfortable. It means you can go shopping over Christmas. And previously, we thought that the height of consumer data journalism was that we know there's a correlation between playing Boney M and you spending a lot of your money. Yes. Now we're going to have aki-specific changes and maybe even how loud, how soft, what you play in this aisle over that aisle exactly. can be tailor-made for the people who are there right now. Exactly. No, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, if, even if you think, I mean, the, the applications is just all over the place from uh, live concerts to sports. No, but it's interesting because yeah. it raises all sorts of ethical questions around consumers. Do they have a right to do this? Exactly. And also, you know, who's buying this product? Is it me mm-hmm. or am I simply through AI being primed to think that I have a desire? Yeah. And, and to think. And let me repeat what we just said now, that they, with an 87% accuracy, can determine if you're excited, if you're happy, if you're angry or sad. And they can pick up your breathing and your heart rate by just using those wireless signals in the room. <laughs> really, really interesting. Okay. And uh, moving on from detecting our emotions, as complex as they are, uh, to more business of AI. Well, the Beatles. You know, it's incredible. When I read the story and I thought to myself, wow, that's absolutely fascinating. Now, there's been quite a bit of beef uh, in the past um, between um, Sir Paul McCartney and, and, and John Lennon. And, you know, they, they've, they've often argued about uh, who, who, whose influence, who wrote most of the lyrics in many of the Beatles songs. And the two that really come to mind are, include A Hard Day's Night and In My Life. And... Um, you know, there, there, there's been, they've been disputed for a long time. And in, in fact, uh, not so long ago, um, uh, McCartney revised, you know, a, an album and he went as far as reversing the song credits to read McCartney, McCartney Lennon in 2002, in 2002. And this got, um, Lennon's widow Yoko Ono quite, uh, aggravated by this. So, uh, and it's difficult to try and work out. Did Eusebius write the lyrics or did Aki write the lyrics? How do you do that? So what they did, they took AI and they put a lot of the lyrics that the two have written and they used this algorithm and it determined with an 81% accurate accuracy that actually John Lennon wrote many of those verses versus the song Bridges which gave um, Paul McCartney 45% accuracy and how they did this was that they um, they, they, they used the technology and it corroborated that Lennon 
contributed to the song's middle eight melody. So they, they analyzed that and they looked at his writing style in previous songs. They broke up the song into the verse and the bridge separately. And it was very clear who actually wrote the verse and, and who was more consistent in the styling of the song. And it made quite sure that it was actually Lennon who was more consistent in the writing those verses. So uh, it's put that dispute aside. It's AI, but I'm sure that uh, you can, I mean, how do you take the AI to court and dispute this kind of thing? But here's the thing that AI statistically said that, you know, based on the style of John Lennon, he's the guy who wrote those lyrics, most of them. Probably. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, parental woes in a time of digitization is something that's huge. Yeah, you see, you raised this last week, you know, with kids and technology. And you asked me, you know, what are the best kind of apps to use for kids? And there's a couple that we can suggest. The, 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 the one that scores the most ratings uh, consistently is one called Net Nanny Parental Control. And it's available on your phone if you've got an Android for, phone or an iPhone. It's got really good filters. It doesn't have, unfortunately, a call or text monitoring, and it costs about $55 a year if you want to put it on your phone. But it does protect your phone, and it does have those necessary web filters. And this is one of the companies, uh, we've reviewed this before uh, many, many uh, years ago, that uh, they consistently update the AI on this to basically pick up and block the stuff that your kids might be wanting to get to. The other one is Norton Family Premier, which costs about $50 a year. It's also got amazing filters. It monitors and you can have unlimited devices. It also works with Windows and it works on different um, um, apps, uh, iOS and and, uh, and um, Android. It's expensive as well, but it doesn't have geofencing. In other words, you, you know, to pick up and, and really block a lot of those um, outside areas that kids might want to go to. There's one also called Kaspersky Save Kids app, which is a lot more reasonably priced. Uh, it costs $15 for the year and it does filter all the websites. You can even set time limits. Um, and, and you can really block out a lot of other things that you don't want people to get to in your personal, um, on your personal phone. So you want to hand over the, kid, your, the, the kids your phone, you can add these parental guidance um, programs that will filter out a lot of the stuff and also prevent them from using a lot of things. That's stunning. And I'm going to make sure, obviously, you can check out the, and listen back to the podcast. Uh, download the 702 app and there you will find all the technology and society features. But I know many parents will be listening. Some of you will ask, can you please repeat that again? Just find it there or go to the website soon, 702.co.za. Some really useful practical advice there for parenting in a digital age. Thank you so much. Akil. You're welcome. We'll, we'll You'll be do this again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one.